In my business, there is only one place, and that's to be a winner. Wash your hands, wash your butt, man, that's it. Well, I felt like SpongeBob for a minute, right? They said, hey, Dad, let's make a TikTok. You know, there's times where you make plays that are special, and there's some times where you're like, that's pretty fucking good. Mercedes Lewis here, a.k.a. Big Dog. When you listen to the Poor Man's Package podcast, go Pack Go. Right, man, I'm so excited. Let's roll. Let's roll. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers podcast, the number one Packers podcast in the state of our minds. I'm Spencer Sismanowitz, joined as always with Kyle Tchaikovsky, but not this week. Kyle is on vacation, out on assignment, but don't worry, he is very much part of the podcast. He's the sta- He's the straw that stirs the drink. The wind beneath my wings. However, this week, we have a replacement, and his name is Blake. Blake and I, we, I don't know if I would describe us as friends, but we are associates. You are roommates with my younger brother, but in passing, (laughs) you do seem to know your stuff about the Packers, so I figured, why not? We need another episode out there. We're two weeks in a training camp. Let's see what happens. Blake, welcome to the program. Well, it's great to be a guest in here, Spencer. Um... Great joy to be on. I've been a Packers fan for some time. Yeah, you uh, talking right beforehand, You, uh, I was asking, you know, okay, you've been a fan, you have any fun stories, but you were at kind of a special game back in the day? Yeah, when the, uh, you know, Brett Favre was actually leading or getting close to taking the lead in the NFL for career touchdown passes, I went to that game at the Metrodome that he threw to Greg Jennings. Yeah, I, I think most of us can remember that passing. God, what... I, I don't even know what the record's at now with Tom Brady or Drew Brees going back and forth, but that, yeah, 400-something running down, grabbing Greg Jennings, throwing him over his back, and you were at that glorious game. Oh, very, it very was close. great, especially, like, you know, Metrodome, half the stadium's Packers fans. Yeah, yeah. That'll get you going. Half the crowd's cheering with you. Yeah, the Vikings, they must not have been very good that year either. God, that was back in the Ray Edwards and Jared Allen oh. days, I'm sure. The one thing, I will say this, um, a lot of people get on the Metrodome for being a dump, and it was. And a lot of people don't like this aspect either, but I did like that they had the trough to piss in, in the <laughs> bathrooms. Cause that now, is a classic. If you go to Lambo, the individual urinals, at halftime, it is always a traffic jam. Oh. But when you got a trough, like you can go shoulder to shoulder, and it might be needed in the winter, too, to warm up a bit. <laughs> but real. then it's a little bit more of a streamlined process to piss. So that, that was piss talk. For, definitely, for definitely. So we haven't recorded in a couple weeks. The last time we had an episode, Aaron Rodgers, we still weren't sure if he was going to come back. So we can briefly go over that, even though it's been you know two weeks since that's all been decided. But Aaron Rodgers is back with Green Bay Packers. He will be the starting quarterback uh, for week one, barring any injuries in the preseason, which he will not play in. So he should be good to go. But it was kind of an interesting little deal there, even... Uh, you know, for everyone who says that the, you know, Packers owners, it's all a sham, it's all BS. The day of the owners meeting is when the report came out that he would be coming to Green Bay that night, and he sure did. So maybe, you know, it was the owners that pushed him along. I like to think that my $275 piece of paper, you know, it gives me some stand within the franchise. And, you know, we pushed him that day. You are a shareholder. <laughs> I mean, I will tell you that you are a shareholder. You got some sway. <laughs> Clearly at work because he's back and I'm ready. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too because we haven't talked about this obviously because we haven't recorded. But Randall Cobb, I am less surprised with 
Aaron Rodgers coming back, I kind of assumed that would have to happen just because I, unless he really wanted to retire, which apparently was almost the case. But the trade for Randall Cobb is shocking compared to Rodgers coming back because I didn't think that would ever happen. And I really wonder, even Brian Gutenkunst in that press conference after, where he basically said, like, the only reason he's here is because Aaron Rodgers wanted him. I wonder if Mark Murphy was the guy who pushed Goody to finally make that trade. A couple people have, you know, thought about that as well. But the more you think about it, the more it's like, you know, it's kind of a pissing contest between Rodgers and Brian Gutenkunst. And that might have been when Mark Murphy stepped in because of the power structure, which no one's that big of a fan of that might have pushed it over the edge and kind of forced Brian to do it because like, hey, let's let's get past this, you know. For sure. Um, I think someone definitely pushed it down. It probably had to be done. I mean, I was watching a video yesterday. It said he literally was making his mind up two days before he was going to come to camp. Yeah. And yeah, I'm yeah. like, wow, someone must have clearly something changed. And the Randall Cobb news came out, and you're like, okay, well, that's clearly something. That's that's that, one thing. That's what was strange because, like, Trey Wingo was the first one to put that out in the world, like the Packers are working for a trade. And I'm just like, that – Trey also said that um, it was in the works that like it was almost a done deal that Rodgers was going to be traded to the Broncos. And he also said that earlier in the offseason, the Packers tried to trade Aaron Rodgers away, which turned out to be BS. It doesn't seem like that was the case at all. But yeah, interesting, interesting offseason. His presser, which we can talk about briefly, too. Everyone was getting on Rodgers for not talking during all this. The only real um, media appearance he had was on that sports center with Kenny Mayne, which was actually the night that we recorded the last episode. But he was always making such scheduled visits in the offseason, you know, Kentucky Derby, just yep. big events and yep. pushing people's minds all over. It was yeah. quite interesting. He's, he, and that's, the th- he's one of the problems or what has turned into a problem is he's such a smart guy where Rogers know, like he's got his own opinion of, of things. Brian Gunkunst has his own, and, you know, just the what, one of the things that Rogers was saying, too, is like, you know, you don't have to always talk to be smart. You know, there's a lot of intelligence and in staying silent. And that's what he did during the entire offseason. Then he had the 32 minute presser where he basically said, you know, he doesn't want to make any decisions on personnel, but he would like to be included on the conversation, which I think most people can agree with. He also For didn't sure. like how some players in the past have been treated, including uh, this podcast own Brett Good, who has been on five or six times. So it was kind of nice to hear that name drop. <laughs> For sure. And he was also, you know, he he's like, hey, I'm one of the better players in the league. Like, if we are going to go after some free agents, why don't you talk to me? And I can talk to these guys and try to get them on the squad, which hasn't been a thing as well. But the b- biggest thing was back in February, Roger said that, when he was talking with management, they kept talking about 2021, never talked about 2022. So when they weren't offering him an extension, he said, all right, well, I'm just going to go do my thing. Talks broke off, and that's when all the drama started. So I don't know. A lot of people are still pissed off at Rodgers and would prefer if we would have traded him. But I'm just like, I don't know how you can disagree with anything the guy said. I'm like, in what world do you not want Aaron Rodgers coming back? I mean, he's probably arguably a top three QB going down ever till like, you know, 20 years from now, the records yeah. keep flying out the door. But at the same time, like, who doesn't want him back? Like, I know it's all controversial, and he put us through the grinder in the offseason there. Yeah. But, like, let's look at that roster and go, look at the talent. The quarterback puts us over the top. 
it, yeah, exactly. And we don't know. That's what makes the situation so weird, too, because with the COVID year, we literally have no idea what the hell Jordan Love is. A lot of people still love him, but those guys on Twitter or the other fans who are just on the managing side, you know, they're leaning towards, the for, you know, agreeing with the front office and Jordan Love. It's like you guys are literally just looking at his college tape and getting hyped about this dude. He's been on the team for over a year now, and the coaches even aren't talking up, you know, Jordan Love all that much. But Right. Whatever. We'll see. But with this episode, we won't have too much to talk about. We'll uh, hopefully record on Sunday with Kyle, and we can do more of the normal weird stuff. But right now, you know, we're two weeks into camp. We can just walk through what's gone down so far. So we'll just continue right where we were. Quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, uh, everyone who's been watching practice has said he hasn't missed a beat. He obviously hit the net during practice last week, which always seems to go viral on Twitter as if it's never happened. During family night as well, he hit the net a couple times. And that's about all you can really say. People have said no rust for his whole offseason in Hawaii and traveling and the, the match against Tom Brady. He has not missed a beat so far. So I love when people always say, like, they're not working out or they're on vacation. They're not working. You know, there's always that Twitter guy. Oh, he's yeah, yep. getting the gym, yep. or, you know. And it's like, well, clearly he was, but he's still having fun because he's a human. So, like, you know, we've got to enjoy that with him. Yeah, and especially, what is this? His, uh, I believe this is his 17th. This will be his 17th season in the NFL. It's like, what do you really need Rodgers to do in the offseason at this point? Like, as long as he doesn't show up out of shape, I think we'll be good. Um, moving on, Jordan Love. A little bit different, up and down. He This is only his second training camp, and last year was kind of goofy with COVID and all of that. But inconsistent seems to be the term thrown around the most to describe his play thus far. It's... You know, we go back and forth with Rodgers and Love because, you know, Love more than likely will be the quarterback next year. But the the way we talk about these guys and the people covering the team and even the coaching staff, it's like, you know, Rodgers, you don't even have to talk about him. You know what you're getting out of him. With Jordan Love, when they're talking about his improvements and stuff, it's literally like his footwork, getting in and out of the huddle quick, leading the huddle as well. And even in family night, he, you know, had a couple – muff snaps under center so i you know we can get excited about the guy but this preseason is going to be absolutely huge for the dude brian gutenkunst's reputation is kind of out on the line for this these next three games with him where rogers is not going to play it sounds like so it'll all be kurt bankert and jordan love and i mean what what are you looking forward to with jordan love in the preseason I always want to see him play. Yeah. You know, everyone's got an opinion on him, and no one's actually seen this man take an NFL snap in yep. a game that is yep. worth anything with refs. Um, you know, where he, he the other team doesn't know what's coming. Yep. They haven't seen him for three straight weeks. Um, I'm just intrigued to see what he can do, period. How much he plays and how much the other ones play. I want to see him play with some real talent, kind of. Yeah, it, um, sh- it should be know. nice, too, because he should... I feel like the wide receiver position is pretty deep. I think the offensive line is pretty deep, too. So he shouldn't have much of an excuse. Sometimes you can do that, you know, and for the backups or reserves later on in the game. But he should have a pretty full regimen. I mean, like, our receivers are so deep. I just think, like, he's going to be playing with talent, period. Like, you're going to have Devin Funches out there maybe at the fourth and Amari Rodgers in your slot at the 5'6 guy in in the preseason if the other guys aren't playing much. I mean, that's intriguing alone because yeah. those are guys that you're base- banking on like probably next year at some point. Right. So we'll we'll have to see that. Um, and also, God, it's just he has the well plays. It sounds like he had a really good throw in uh, 
during family night too, the deep one that was a touchdown double I did coverage. See that. that was it, pretty cool. It looked impressive. Yeah. And then at the same time during practice, you know, the biggest thing that reporters have said too is like he he misses easy throws in the flats and his deep ball can be a duck more often than you would like. So that scares me in the cold weather. Yeah. It scares me in the cold weather. <laughs> That's a very good point. And it's, you know, we're only going to see him in the warm weather here these three weeks, hopefully as long Ugh. as Roger stays healthy throughout the whole year. But, yeah. For we'll, sure. We'll see. Uh, Kurt Bankert's everyone, everyone's third favorite uh, quarterback for the Packers. Social media master. He's a streamer, all that. Used to play with the Falcons. He's now with the Packers. Great, great presser uh, last week, too. But he's had the long hair in the offseason. I did like that move. He had the very long hair, but once Rodgers uh, showed up, he did cut it off. So he he is bowing down to the alpha and Aaron Rodgers in the room. I did like that. And he clearly understood the hierarchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's looked halfway decent in camp too. I'm. Hey, if he's anything close to Tim Boyle, I'll take it, and it'll be entertaining still. That's that's exactly it. Because Tim Boyle had his own kind of cult following, and Kurt uh, seems to be well exactly. on his way for that as well. Um. Moving on, the running back position. Jamal Williams, obviously, it's sad to see him go. He's on the Detroit Lions. Sounds like he's had a pretty Ugh. good training camp himself. We'll miss his personality. But Aaron Jones. bad for him. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what the Lions are like. I mean, that Dan Campbell, he, he's he got a lot of good quotes and pressers. But, I mean, hmm. I don't know. Substances on the field. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see if they're – I don't know if they're going to be like a cheap – with all this like hard nosed football talk, you're like, are they gonna just like hit late and be mean and all that crap? So well let's see. I, I still wonder if Tim Boyle's gonna push uh Jared Goff for that starting spot, but whatever. Intriguing. Yeah. Uh Aaron Jones is back with the team as we talked about last episode. He did uh sign that contract ex- extension. Well, I guess not an extension, it was just a new deal this offseason. Apparently he's a little bit more trim and I'm really looking forward to – I mean, there isn't much to talk about with him in training camp. They're not doing much running the ball. Can there be another level of explosion for him? Like, is that even a thing? Well, that's the thing because he is, like, the biggest home run hitter for a running back that we've had that I can remember. I was pretty young, you know, during the Amon Green days. But, I mean – He's Aaron jo- explosive. Aaron Jones is explosive. It'll be, like, a two-yard run, three-yard run, and then all of a sudden he'll break one for, like, a first down or, like, you know, an 80-yard touchdown. Like, he has multiple monster runs. But it, we will have the true thunder and lightning, which has been talked about probably too much at this point with Aaron Jones and now A.J. Dillon in his second year. The quad father, whatever you want to say, he's got gigantic legs. It's it's He's getting... really something, and I'm really ready to see him just get some real carries and some big moments because, like, he like we saw that Tennessee game where he got a real look yeah. in the cold weather, and he could just be a force late in the season. Yeah, because we didn't see too much of him after that either, which we were kind of expecting, you know, in the cold weather. But right. even in the NFC Championship game, it was really just Aaron Rodgers after that and a little bit of Jamal Williams after uh, Aaron Jones went down. But I'm very excited. It should be fun. We'll get into it later with the backfield with, you know, Amari Rodgers and everyone else. But it should be a very flexible offense, which is great to have whenever you're going up against, you know, a, hot, a nice defense, you know, that misdirection, all that. Kylan Hill, uh, who's quietly having a very good camp, as all of Packers Twitter has talked about this past week. Late round draft pick. Sounds like he's kind of penciled in as that third running back spot right now. Um, a, a true one cut back, which is what we're missing. It's kind of what we wanted Dexter Williams to be when he when we drafted him a couple of years ago out of Notre Dame. But the biggest thing with him, something that the other backs 
don't seem to be able to do is he will be the kick returner, which it, we have been. Oh my goodness, we've dying been special for teams. Jeff Janis. Yeah, special teams is just. Whew. I think this is gonna be the best special teams in a decade. I I think so too, and that's really not saying much after Sean right. Manga and Sean Slocum and uh, Ron Zook in between Oof. both of them. So. We'll see. We'll talk about special teams. I really like that kid in a seventh round pick. It's incredible, honestly. Like I've heard great. He's the darling on Twitter, no doubt. Yeah, even in like in Dynasty fantasy football, he is kind of a name popping up because you know Aaron Jones is kind of it's more it's it's a three year deal, but it's really just a two year deal. So we'll see if if Conlon can be electric. I don't know why he couldn't step in and be the you know the one part of the one two punch down the road. For sure. Uh, Dexter Williams, as much crap as I've given him, and even just now bringing him up before that, he's apparently had a pretty decent training camp as well. If he could play special teams, he'd probably have a better chance of making the squad. But even last year, he was a punt protector, and he messed that up somehow. But apparently he's bulked up. He's one of the hardest working guys on the team. We'll see how he does this preseason, but I think it's uphill battle. That same boat, Patrick Taylor... Undrafted player last year would have been a, a draft pick probably if he didn't hurt his ankle that last year with Memphis. And Matt LaFleur said this week that he is the smartest player he thinks on the team with all the notes he takes. So wow. any thoughts on the running back depth, Blake? Um, I actually love our running back depth. Even compared to last year, I almost think it's actually deeper, even with Dylan last year. Like Kyle in the seventh round, I don't know how much he's going to play, but just having a kick return and like have him impact anyway um, would be fabulous yes um the taylor kid very interesting no doubt i just don't know if those two i mean we'll probably keep one around as a practice guy but um overall i love the depth at running back right now yeah it's it's fun because jamal williams was great and he the best way to describe him is like an all-around player like he really didn't have a weakness in his game but he didn't have like anything exceptional about his game either i guess he was pretty reliable that was about it but with with Dylan now, it's like he is just such a, a ram to just, you know, drive the ball down the middle. It'll be just a pure battering ram. It's going to be just put him forward, honestly, like push forward and get five yards. I feel like every time he's just that huge. I'm like, wow. Yeah, he's stick to the James Starks uh, role of just falling forward. That's all we need from you. 100%. Moving on to wide receiver Devontae Adams. Uh, I guess we can talk about this briefly. Uh, Rodgers and Adams had that whole last dance Instagram post a couple days before Rodgers reported biggest thing with Adams okay we know he's tearing it up in training camp he's the best receiver in the NFL but his contract he's in a contract year and Justice on Twitter he he had an article about this last week how there's this discrepancy between the green what Devontae Adams think thinks is the top paid receiver in the NFL and what the Green Bay Packers think that is Meaning DeAndre Hopkins is the highest paid player in the NFL right now. He, when he was traded to the Arizona Cardinals, he got a contract extension. So he still had one or two years left on that current deal. But that new money was, I believe, God, what was it now? $25 million per year. So he's getting yep. $25 million per year, which is astronomical. Way too much for a receiver. You see that on paper and you're like, okay. So to beat that, you have to get $26 million per year you know, to be the highest paid receiver going forward. Well, the biggest thing with that and what the Packers are arguing is that because of DeAndre Hopkins, the the two years on that deal before the new money, it averages out to be about 20 million per year, you know, because 
On his previous contract, he was making about $18 million per. You add that up with the 25 per, you average it out right around $20, $21 million per Right, year. right in there. So Devontae wants, you know, all this... All this new money, the Green Bay Packers are saying, no, that's not exactly what it's going to be. So it's going to be interesting to see if Devontae actually goes with the safe deal, sticks with the Packers, or if he tests free agency this next year. But I I don't know. What do you, what do you, you think? We're, we're in such cap hell. What do you think about Devontae going into this year, Blake? It all like it really all revolves around Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, on what he really does next offseason. Um, yeah. Obviously, if we we sign him, we're probably not signing Devonte Adams. It's just like you can't do both, and we have so much money signed up, and you got Jair coming up. Like I'm, I'm gonna keep Jair. Yeah. Um, as far as like the contract, I think it's like when you say the last dance, like you kind of reference it. Like if in that situation, I think Aaron Rodgers is Michael Jordan, and he might be done. <laughs> and we either sign Devonte because we have the money, or we let him go be Scottie Pippen somewhere, and that team just flies to an NFC Championship game or something. I mean, there's... <sighs> Not just because of him, but you know what I mean? He just adds to that team and creates, you know, that scenario. There's a lot of, like, potential nightmares floating out there because my biggest worry, and if I had to guess, if everything goes as wrong as possible or best as possible, say the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl this year, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they're like, all right, hey, this is a nice clean break. We'll let you go. We'll trade you. I think next year, if if... Aaron's playing for a different team. It will be with the Denver Broncos. He'll, Interesting. This is. I'm gonna call this right now. If it if he does leave, he's gonna go to the Broncos. Vic Fangio will probably stick around, and part of it is gonna be okay. Vic, you you stay in charge of the defense. You can always coach a great defense up. He always did with the Chicago, Chicago Bears. I think Rodgers is gonna want to bring Nathaniel Nathaniel Hackett with him, our offensive coordinator, which. Usually you can't like have a lateral move in the NFL if you're under contract, but because right. Matt LaFleur calls plays, Nathaniel Hackett would be able to leave. So I could see Rodgers bringing his own offensive coordinator, and along with that, if there's cap room, I think he's absolutely bringing Randall Cobb with him, who will be under contract next year still with the Packers, but I'm sure they'll cut him if Rodgers is leaving. Oh, but if yes. they got cap room too, I mean, imagine if Rodgers and Adams left, went to the same team, and brought Nathaniel Hackett with them like, I would p- feel pretty good with the success for whatever team they end up going to. As that long as is the scenario thing. T- it doesn't necessarily need to be the Broncos. You said a great scenario, laid it out well there, but it could be any, like, you know, something else could pop up in a year all of a sudden, like, and whew, that is a scary scenario, in my opinion. That or, you know, the Raiders are now, kind of getting linked to. But if we'll we can trade a Super Bowl ring for that, I, I always just go, I don't know. It's interesting. If we, honestly, if we just would have won the Super Bowl last year, all this drama and shit, I would have. S- you know, I would be so much less invested than I am right now just because it's been the same 100%. shit. We're always just so damn close with Aaron. Always. Moving on, uh, I have them both under the same thing here. Cobb and Amari Rogers. Amari has actually gotten a lot of snaps with the ones and has been taking handoffs as well. So just thinking about, you know, any type, just an offense, if you have the skill position players be Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers. there's just so many different things you can do in that backfield or just with, with those guys on the field. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, those are going to be the two slot guys. We really haven't had a slot, re- a decent slot receiver since Randall Cobb. Geronimo, Geronimo Allison, I guess, was fine that one year that he did it. He was he good, but he's just more of a possession guy. Yeah. But he was good in the slot, no doubt. Yeah, God, and I haven't heard. He was with – he signed 
on to be with the Lions last year, and I haven't heard anything about him since then. I wonder if he's at training camp with them he right now. He always gets injured, so it's always, I just, he's always injured. That's yeah, the thing. That, yeah, that's probably what it is, then. He's probably not practicing right now. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't know what uh, what else there is. We'll see with Randall Cobb. It's exciting. We'll, we'll it, you know, it'll be nice to kind of go back in time with Randall Cobb, but now under a Matt LaFleur scheme. We'll see what he can do to get uh, get him involved in this offense. Uh, moving on, probably the true number two receiver, MVS. I think I think we're in for a big year with MVS. We talked about Devontae Adams and his whole contract. Matt Schneidman tweeted this, and a couple – I haven't seen many other reporters talk about it, but Matt Schneidman said that MVS's hands have been much, much, much better this training camp. And if he can put it together – you know, he he's the prototypical speedster and he's got the size to him as well. And I uh, I'm trying to think who who brought up the question. It might have been AJ Dillon who like he talked to MBS about running a uh what was it, the Texas route, one of one of the routes better and MBS like broke it down to Dillon for how to run this route better, which is one of those things where especially early on in his career, you would not have pegged MBS as a route runner, you know, a refined route runner, teaching other people to. So to see that now, it shows he's getting more comfortable in the offense. You think he's going to have more confidence this year going forward. So I'm, I'm really excited and looking for a breakout year from MVS. And maybe, maybe if we can't afford Adams, MVS would be a nice little guy to sign as well instead. If he can develop, I like like when I say develop, I mean like he's already at the top on speed. But like what I'm looking for is separation and subtleness in his cuts within yeah. the routes. Yeah, that's what separates Devonte. This this kid's more talented. I swear to God, he's more talented. Like just pure physically. Right. But what Devonte has is the subtleness and the hands, like the late hands, things like that. Like I'm looking for that this year. If he can like if he takes the next step, those things will stick out. Yeah, I I'm hoping for it too. We'll we'll have to see because we have. You know, everyone, the national media gets on the Packers for not having any weapons for Aaron Rodgers. But, God, we really do have a deep class. It's it's still hilarious to me how everyone will get on the Packers for not having weapons. But we still have the best receiver in football, and these claims still are made every year. Just because we haven't used anyone, you know, in the first round for, for a receiver. I don't want to talk about the offense as a whole yet, because we'll probably do that at the, like, conclusion of this year. But, like, our offense is just loaded. It's loaded. It there there really isn't, and I hate saying this shit because I just feel like a homer, but it's like there really isn't a hole. It would have been quarterback if Rodgers didn't come back. But what else is there? Maybe right guard, tight ends pretty deep too. I just you saw that when Bach comes back. So right. like it, yeah, it, exactly. So well, everything seems too good right now. Uh, moving on, Alan Lazard. Haven't heard much about him. Uh, I guess he's a little leaner. He posted a picture today, and he does look absolutely ripped. He's once again one of those guys where he doesn't exactly impress in practice, but when the lights are on at Lambeau, he seems to show up. That's how he really broke out on the scene against the Eagles back in 2019. So we'll see. Um, he's kind of battling with the other guy, Devin Funches, kind of the same body type, you know, thicker dudes. Funches, uh, so he got in some hot water after family night, obviously, with the Asian slur. I don't think sure we have to did. get into that too much. That was pretty stupid of him. Yep. But other than that, especially last week, uh, Bill Huber and Matt Schneidman both said that Funches is a guy who, like, in shorts and against air, he looks really good because he's just such a massive presence, catches every ball. But when he's going up against a defense, he really disappears. So we'll have to see what happens with him in the preseason. 
if we trade any receiver on the roster, I think it would be Devin Funches just for that reason where he's an older guy. We have some younger guys who, who could ascend. And also Funches doesn't play special teams. So we'll have to see. What do you think about those two guys? Um, Like I said, when I mean like the roster is loaded, like just having these two in general for depth alone, that those like the size, I don't even like, you know, you get production out of them. But overall, I'm just like, these dudes are huge. They can catch. Funches has experience. I don't know what to expect out of him. Not playing yeah. football in two years, um, but I just think they're both good, solid three, four, five kind of guys. And like, yeah, for depth, it's incredible. Honestly, it's it's been interesting. for talent, talent. Yeah, the, how Brian Gutekunst has kind of broken the mold or changed it for what we're looking at wide receivers. One of the reasons why we did move away from Randall Cobb is because he want wanted to get bigger and faster. Where you know, moving away from. The Jared Aberderis's, the you know Geronimo Allison's, the Randall Cobb, like I said, and now more of these big bulky guys like Funchess and Lazard. And I guess moving on with that, we can talk about EQ, who kind of fits that mold too. He's banged up now, but apparently he's having a decent camp too. But I'm in the state now where EQ, Malik Taylor, Reggie Bagleton, Bagleton apparently had a really nice practice uh, at the end of last week too, where he was catching just about every ball thrown his way. <laughs> But now with Cobb and everyone else, it's like I don't see any of these sticking of these guys sticking around because of God. I'm talking a lot here. Juwan Winfrey, the undrafted guy who's kind of stuck on, and he's making a name for himself as well. He seems to be catching every ball. But on top of that, is he does play special teams, and he's been a gunner, a la Jeff Janis back in the day. So I think he's in the front row seat to be that fifth, sixth receiver. However, it would be whichever way we want to go with that position. And I think EQ Malik and Bagleton will be on the outside looking in. What do you, what do you think about that Blake? With these four right here? Um, the biggest thing like Winfrey looks incredible. Like, but like, you know, pads haven't really hopped on. Like, you know, yeah. the pods aren't the pads aren't padded up yet. And that's when, you know, you know, who's really playing football, honestly, but like everyone looks good, like in practice, but yeah. out of all these guys, <laughs> EQ has the most talent and the most intrigue and he could definitely be a stud, but just the, injuries the durability and, and, and how just, many years are we going to wait for him to turn it on exactly you know? right like you can't keep just being like well next year's the year it just it just may never come so you got to cut it at some point and i just think this might be the year for him yeah and we'll see every every training camp every preseason we get all hyped about these guys you know it was always like tory Gurley back in 100%. the day uh deandre borrell was that his name camp all, darlings camp yeah, all darlings. these camp darlings we cut them and then they don't they don't really latch on anywhere else. So we'll see, you know, two years from now, we probably won't remember most of these guys. Overall, names. the depth there, though, I, I like it. I like yeah. it a lot. Yeah. Again. We're, we're, Again. we're homers. We'll, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Moving on to tight end, uh, Robert Tunyon is continuing to be the dude at the position. He seems to be catching everything. All the reporters keep talking about how, you know, any ball he gets his hands on, he comes down with. Mercedes Lewis has also tucked him up, the best player on the Packers, obviously. 100%. Uh Oldest tight end in the league, he had his presser last week, and he talked up Tunyon a ton, saying how, you know, Tunyon can't ask enough questions, and he's always in his ear asking about every little thing. And the way I read that, too, is, you know, Robert Tunyon was an undrafted guy who came to the Packers. He's been with the team for a few years, finally broke out last year. But someone who no one's really talked about much, and even the coaching staff has got on it or hasn't talked that highly of is Jay Sternberger who will be suspended the first two games of this year, which 
actually is probably go- going to help his chances to make the roster because they don't have to worry about him the first two weeks, and if an injury pops up, they can just right. him can on. Right, just fill the roster there. But I do wonder if, even within that room where Mercedes Lewis is kind of taken aback by Jace not trying to get involved, and there was even that whole, I don't know if you saw this, the tight end uniform, the tight end you this offseason where a bunch of tight ends, like 60 tight ends in the league, all got together and trained. I did see that. Tunyon was there. Mercedes Lewis was there. Dominique Daphne was even there. But Jay Sternberger was not there. So mm. it's one of those things where it's like you would think if, you know, if they're all getting along and they all kind of trust each other that he would be part of that. But that w- is not the case. So I don't know. Well, What's sad we'll out of that list that's not there is DeGuara. Yes. Because... No. Like, I had saw what that first preseason game, when he was laying blocks, I was like, this man blocks. And I am so excited for him. And then that ACL, and then he missed that. I'm like, oh. He did come off the PUP this week, and he is practicing. I'm very high on DeGuara. I am holding him in my Dynasty League because I really think he's going to bust out. He was pretty much the number one tight end going into week one last year when everything was kind of up in there, be it he's that H-back role. He does a little bit of everything. He's so versatile. Yeah, and he's practicing now, so we'll we'll have to see in, in training camp. I guess they're not they're not going to show much in preseason for those looks, right. for everything they're going to do, but he can play just about every position. Very excited about him, and once again, Tunyon, he's in, he's in a contract year as well. If, say, Tunyon regresses and DeGuara shows off, Maybe we let Tunyon walk and DeGuara takes that role going forward. And still, Dominic Daphne, he's injured now as well. Well, you know, uh, DeGuara's fine, but... Right. Dominic Daphne, he's... It's weird how an undrafted guy from Indiana State, there's a good chance he's going to push Jay Sternberger, a third-round draft pick, out the door. We don't know. Obviously, we're we're basing this off of uh, last year, coach speak, and tweets from beat reporters, but... We can usually get a decent idea, and we'll have a better idea after after preseason is over. Moving on to the offensive line, probably God. Once again, just every position is so deep; it's it's ridiculous at this point. We'll it really start. Is. We'll start with uh, the deepest player who can play every position on the offensive line, Elton Jenkins. We can't say enough nice things about him. They, Not enough. The best uh, compliment he's gotten is that you know, people. Watching the offensive line during practice, no one knows that this is an Elton Jenkins like natural position. You know, he's play, he usually plays left guard, and he has fit in swimmingly at left tackle. It's so crazy how good he is. Um, playing that many, like, is he the best lineman in football? Like, like, is that really like he's already there? Like, he's well, played so many positions already. He went in the center at that NFC Championship game. Right, it's well, crazy. Yeah, and that's the thing because it's like if you had to pick one guy to be on your offense, like you could have five Elton Jenkins on your line, and you'd have a pretty good offensive line in this league. I don't know if you got five David Bakhtiaris if they would perform as well as five Elton Jenkins. And it's weird how just. He made the Pro Bowl last year, his his uh, first time making it. We talked about it last year, but God, if he can keep that up, he's looking at a Hall of Fame career just because having this success so early. And the success now at left tackle is probably going to push David Bakhtari back a bit. You know, there's no rush to get him back on the field. Oh, yeah. You know, he's there. God, I forgot how big Get him the out there when was. he's 110% ready to cook. Yeah, he, you know, he's the second highest paid left tackle in the league now. You can be a little cautious with him because Elton's looks so good. Speaking of looking good, Chris Myers, the second round draft pick out of Ohio State. Uh, when James Jones asked Aaron Rodgers about someone who stood out, it's 
He mentioned Chris Myers, how for a rookie, it's incredible how how much of a veteran presence he seems to bring, and he's always asking questions, knows what to do. That's nice, and it's weird, too, because he's a gigantic center. He's probably one of the biggest centers in the league. He's 6'4", 6'5", and that is not... Usually that's where you can sneak in your shortest guy. I think yeah, like Scott Wells common, is 6'1". Like, those yeah. guys are usually smaller and a little more agile, but he's very agile. This dude's going to be a stud. Like You thought Corey Lindsley we got in the third round was a stud at Ohio State? This guy might even be better. Yeah, well, I mean, that's still... I mean, Corey Lindsley was like the best center in football last year. Well, we for that, sure, you know, we get excited about these guys. Obviously, they both went to Ohio State. We'll we'll see, but so far so good. Obviously, in practice, you're not having those big trench battles of oh yeah know, the olden days. Not quite but, padded up yet either, but we'll see. I mean, he's just Ohio State. You get like I trust those kind of linemen. Exactly. You you want to stick with those Big Ten linemen. Uh, John Runyon. Speaking of that. Uh, looks to possibly there. There's all these different battles going on on the offensive line. There's so many different options that we have for a starting five for week one, but he's mostly played left guard and center. I, if I had to guess now, I would say he's probably going to be the the left guard, and he played you know in some small spurts last year when injuries popped up. But at the same time, uh, Ben Braden has been probably the biggest surprise on the offensive line. The undrafted guy. He's actually a I believe this is his fifth year in the league, and he's played a total of four snaps total in the NFL. Crazy. And it kind of made some waves uh, earlier in the offseason when uh, Adam Stenovich, the offensive line coach, brought up Ben Braden and said he was going to compete for a job. So right now it looks like it's between Lucas Patrick and Ben Braden for that left guard spot. Ben Braden's also played some right guard. So we'll see there. Uh, speaking of right guard, Lucas Patrick still competing at that position. He's played right guard and center. Chris Myers has got that wrapped up at center, but we'll see. There's Once again, there's still so many options for what this offensive line could be, and I'm just going to keep keep rolling here. Fair enough. Uh, Billy Turner, he's probably going to be the week one starter at right tackle, but at the same time, he's a pretty good right guard, so maybe it'll be between him and Lucas Patrick at that position because of the new signee since last year. Dennis Kelly, who played all 16 games for the Tennessee Titans last year. Maybe maybe we'll go with, from left to right, Elton Jenkins, Lucas Pat, or not Lucas Patrick, uh, John Runyon, Chris Myers, Billy Turner, and then Dennis Kelly. I think that's a pretty talented offensive line. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens. Or Ben Braden steals one of those spots. But that's about it for the offensive line. You can't really judge too much off of beat reporters tweets or anything else that people are saying because all you're going off of is where the coaches are putting them in practice and you kind of want to rely on where they think they're going to play 100 percent. look at this line the way like what i'm just looking at it's just it's deep um i mean we've been drafting like three linemen a year the last two three years yeah yeah and like you know this is the summation of your fruits you know like yeah um we you know, you, you just look at teams like the Chiefs last year, and I'm trying to think who else is banged up. I think the Rams might be their offensive line is banged up, or the 49ers, and we just have we have someone who can step in at every single position, which was kind of our problem in the NFC Champ game last year when Billy Turner moved over to left tackle, and that really didn't cut it in the right. NFC this Champ is game. the deepest our line's been in recent memory that i'm thinking of yeah and it's weird too because you know we've moved on from brian balaga and um cory lindsley the past two years who were 
two of the better players at their positions in the league. Right. So it's crazy. Yeah. And still, with all this depth, we don't even have to talk about Royce Newman, who was the fourth round draft pick who can play tackle and guard. Haven't heard much about him. Same with Yosh Nyman, Jake Hansen, the center, sixth round pick from last year. Haven't heard anything about him. And Stepanak, who was the sixth rounder out of Indiana last year, he retired. That's what, yeah, I thought he retired. I thought I saw that, yeah. Yeah, kind of a bummer. I guess it was part physical, but uh, I, I forgot. It might have been Bill Huber said that it, part of it was mental, too, and he just kind of checked out. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, that's it for offense. We will have a quick break and then talk about the defense. Hello, American football fans. Are you trying to score more clients? Well, now it is time to kick off a new email campaign. At B2B Data Guy, we pass your message to qualified receivers. We'd love to sit down and talk to you about how we can field your goals. We make sure your emails aren't intercepted by spam filters. Your emails won't get flagged for unnecessary sending. There's no market we can't tackle. We've never punted on a customer. We think we're a pretty fair catch. There's no way we won't insert football pun. With our message to the right audience, it's easy to touch down with qualified leads. Visit b2bdataguide.com today. All right, and we are back with the defense. And actually, we'll start this off. Uh, we'll throw it in here. I, we're going to have take news back this year. So here we go. This is also take news for the week. Football time. <laughs> Take news. All right. Zadarius Smith. So uh, let me start off by saying this. I love Zadarius Smith. He is one of the best free agent signings in Packers history. Beast. It honestly goes Reggie White, Charles Woodson, and then probably Zadarius Smith. But he's had kind of an odd offseason in my eyes. For, For starters... It sounds like he wants a new contract, which, whatever. Ooh. Right now, he is the sixth highest paid off or edge rusher in the league, which he's getting paid $16.5 million per year. Just looking at the stats, the biggest stat you can look at is sacks. Last year, he ranked fourth in the league in sacks. He had 12.5 sacks. The guy who was sixth in the league had 12. So is he really being underpaid? I don't think so. I think, I mean, you can, he's not sitting out or anything, but that's one thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. That's an ego thing, I think, at that point. Or you're splitting hairs on what you think you need, but, I mean, you're producing, and I would say you're getting fairly compensated for what other guys at that point are. And like like you're talking about there, um, you know, an ego thing. One thing, and Mike Smith, outside linebacker coach, loves talking about this, but Zadarius gets pissed about, the disrespect, this disrespect on social media and all this stuff. The mat, you know, his Madden ranking wasn't very high. Bleacher Report didn't have him ranked very high, and he's gone on social media to talk about it. Uh, this is one of his tweets. Uh, this is from July twenty seventh. It Madden tweeted their top ten edge rushers, and they had Zadarius Smith at ten with an eighty nine overall. Zadarius quoted this and said, "SMH, here we go again. Another season with the bullshit." And then. Uh, Face palm emoji. Sure, whatever. And I thought it was funny because then right after that, he tweets, I'm Ray Charles to the bullshit. And then it's a couple cry laughing emojis. It's like, that's great. It's like, are you blind to the bullshit? Because you've that's been great. bitching about it all off season, And now you're saying you're not seeing it. Like, 
whatever. That's fine. Whatever. I'm just getting too worked up about it. The other thing with uh, Zadarius Smith, and not to get too controversial here, but I think it's a little different, you know, COVID and getting the vaccine. If you're, you know, whatever, normal citizen, blah, blah. Yeah, it's, you're well within your right to not get the vaccine. That is your own prerogative, sure. But in the NFL, and we've seen it now with Kirk Cousins getting a lot of shit last week, it literally is a competitive advantage if you get the vaccine. One thing right off the bat, biggest thing for me, if you aren't vaccinated and you come within contact of um, a player who tests positive or someone within the facility, you will have to quarantine for five days if you're unvaccinated. So if Zadarius Smith, week one or even in the playoffs on Thursday, he comes across someone who is COVID positive, he's not playing on Sunday. And all you have to do is get the vaccine. And I'll say this, so we don't know 100%, but Matt Schneidman did say this on his podcast, Head of the Pack, that Zadarius Smith isn't vaccinated, and it does make sense. He's like the one premier player on the team who hasn't spoken with the media in the auditorium. You also see him wearing a mask, which is one of the thing a mandate where if you're unvaccinated and, and you know playing in the NFL, you have to wear a mask at certain times. So it's you know one of, it's one of those things. And on top of that, the biggest thing for me, God, this is such a rant. <laughs> He's a great edge rusher. We've been in the NFC Championship game the last two years in a row. You know how many sacks he rusher. has in those NFC Championship games, Blake? Zero. Zero. We have as many sacks. He has Zero. one more QB hit than us, but we have as many sacks as him. And in the the most important games, if he's not showing up and you're complaining about your contract, I'm sorry, man. I just I'm I'm not rooting for you getting that new contract right now. We'll see at the end of the year. I still love him. I'm gonna root for him. Hell yeah. But he's also hurt right now too. He hasn't practiced yet. Which leading into this, I realize I'm talking a lot here, Blake. It's all good. <laughs> I think this is the year where Rashawn Gary does overtake Zedaris and he becomes the premier pass rusher for this team. Once again, the coaches cannot talk enough about him. All the beat reporters cannot talk enough about him. He's a physical freak. He's winning almost every one-on-one, it seems, unless he's going up against Elton Jenkins. I am very excited to see him once again, especially with Preston Smith you know, taking a pay cut, and he apparently showed up pretty trim too. Yeah, like, I just like... If he, Preston Smith's in shape, Zadarius Smith is still having his lingering issues on whatever's going on there if he doesn't want it, you know, all the kind of problems, like, yeah. misses games, because that, that's just its own problem. But, I mean, if these two have big games, like, then he can't really complain, in my opinion. Um, you know, come out, show out, all that kind of stuff. Um, Rashawn Gary, I think, is definitely going to be a stud this year. Yeah. A stud. Like, he already was coming on last year, but he still wasn't quite getting the reps. Right. This year, I'm telling you, I, I just think he is going to be the guy. I, it's nice. I, he's been a little less active on social media with the whole Rashawn Bain thing. So I, I'm more excited to it. It's like, okay, maybe maybe he's working out a little bit more and less. He on seems like he's media. locked in. Yeah. I And Mike Smith, the outside linebacker coach, who I don't, I can't remember a coach talking up their players more than Mike Smith. For has, sure. So you got to take this with a grain of salt. But he is saying that Rashawn Gary has taken that step. And now he's becoming a leader in that room. Once again, coach speak. I wonder if that's maybe kind of a hit. I don't think it's always, you know, there's always, you know, lingo in there. You got to try and decipher. But, you know, I just think based off what I saw evidence last year, like he was coming on and I think another off season in the program. I'm ready. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see. Like we keep saying, he's a physical freak. I th- you know for sure. Even if he shows up at you know ninety percent, that dude's just gonna run. He can run people over. He has the bull rush. That's all you need. The he's yeah exactly uh, a Nick Perry plus for <laughs> right. Sean Gary, hopefully. Uh, Randy Ramsey got hurt. It sounded like he was kind of the fourth outside linebacker, and, and plus he can play special teams. Sounds like it's an ankle injury, but it doesn't sound like he'll be out all year, so that's nice. The guy's filling in after him. Jonathan Garvin, who was the late-round draft pick last year. Tipa Galeo, who was the undrafted guy out of Utah State, who's been making a lot of noise as well. And then Chauncey Rivers, the last-chance U player who we signed just last week. No one's made too much of a splash. Uh, Tipa was kind of the one who was making a name last year, too, out of all the undrafted guys, so... Once again, we'll have to see in the preseason if any of these guys pop up like a Vic Soto or a J. Ron Elliott did in the preseason games as a pass rusher and special teams contributor. But I don't know. We'll just have to see. Like like we've said, there's still three games to be played. For sure. Moving on, uh, defensive tackle. I think we have to start where we should. The only real big playmaker on the defensive line, Kenny Clark. <laughs> I, when I originally wrote the notes for this episode, I said, Sounds like he's healthy. Well, he hasn't practiced since then, really, the last couple days. And unfortunately, it is his groin, which is what really slowed him up last year. I believe week one, he uh, he partially tore his groin. And after that, the rest of the year, he was kind of he never got back up to 100 percent. And he even said that uh, in an interview this preseason. So he isn't practicing. Hopefully it's more precautionary. Sounds like it is. But I'm. If we can have a healthy Kenny Clark, I'm I'm excited. He's one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Um, someone who you had just mentioned before we were recording, TJ Slayton, though, the most exciting player on the defensive line this year, I would say, at least, you know, aside from Kenny Clark, the guy out of Florida, very physical. He's the one defensive lineman everyone's talked about. He's obviously the dude who can dunk. He actually had a pick six the other day, too, on a batted ball. He's also batted another ball. Um, pretty good for a later round uh, defensive tackle. I'm pretty excited for him. He's kind of, I think I mentioned it before, we had Snacks Harrison on the team last year. He is that kind of run stuffer, big physical dude, monster in the middle. He's exactly that guy. Like, yeah. Where, like, Snacks Harrison's a great example. Where these, This dude's just huge. He's, like, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, right in there. He's weighing, what, like, 340? Yeah. This man is dunking it. Like, <laughs> this man is dunking it. He's not, he's not 6'6". Six, six. He's not a DN at 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and you know if he's dunking it, his RAS score is high, which is what Goody always likes. It's, oh, yeah. Like, he's just fawning over it. You're like, you know, this guy is the one in this draft where I'm like, He's such a boomer bust pro- like prospect where mm-hmm. he could just be the missing piece on the line to stuff that run, or like he could just become way out of shape. Like he just yeah. could go so many ways. Well, see, he he has said in his pressers too that since uh, the end of his college season that he has watched his weight, and it sucks because he's he's had to like he's on a diet right now and he's moved to to Wisconsin from Florida. You know, we always talk about the cheese curd and burgers and all that. Culver's obviously, and he hasn't been able to indulge because he's trying to cut weight and be more of a you know lighter player, move around in the middle there. Right. So. I know he's from a Power Five conference, but like you know, just getting in an NFL program like this summer won't be a full program for him. But like going next year, like if he can get in it and be like full in, like like his real ceiling hits next year in my opinion. But like yeah. if he can contribute anything this year, is such a positive. Right. Yeah. And anything. I, I think he will because we we. uh 
we're not very deep at that position, so we'll not deep for sure. We'll see. Uh, however, someone else who came on last year and who Jerry Montgomery, the defensive line coach, has said he thinks this will be a breakout year for him. Kingsley Kiki, he's still injured. He hasn't practiced yet, but hopefully he can be the pass rusher defensive lineman. Like we just said, Slayton's kind of more the run stuffer. Kiki will be more that pass rush guy, and Kenny Clark is kind of the all-around one. We'll see how if Kiki can get on the field this preseason. But someone who Bill Huber has talked up and someone who we've said is the most average, just a guy player on the Packers is Dean Lowry. He said he's been very good in team drills. He's been very good in one-on-ones. And he even had a batted ball himself, which is nice, and you don't usually see from Dean too much. So maybe he's kind of turned his corner. He's seen all the chatter on Twitter and all that, and he's turned into the player that he's kind of been paid to be. So, like, he's always had the potential. I'm just like, can he ever meet the physical potential that he has? Yeah. It's like, mostly it's him staying healthy, but, like, I always feel like, not that he's, like, doughy such a bad term, but, like... He's more just like, he's just big naturally, but he's not like cut or like, you know, so he doesn't look in shape. I always just felt like he's kind of out of shape. That could be just a bad look like of me just like seeing on the TV. But I think if he's in great shape, he's a a good player. Yeah. And if if they're talking about him, he must be, we'll have to see during the season like anything else. But, you know, out of Northwestern, he's never been anything special. The, The biggest thing for him he is always the most forgettable guy on the Packers defense. So maybe he'll do something this year where we we forgettable, remember that he's but on like the team. with our depth needed for sure. Yeah, that that's the thing. It's like we were talking, you know, just looking at the offseason, how he could be a potential uh, cap casualty that we would have cut him. Well, they actually restructured his deal to keep him on. So I don't know that it could be the last year year with him too, but. Him and Preston Smith just out here helping us out. <laughs> yeah, shoot, that's true. Yeah, he did take a pay cut as well. The only other guy to really talk about is Tyler Lancaster. It sounds like he'll be the one that'll make the roster again. Once again, we have the whole preseason, but he is, you know, it's like Dean Lowry is forgettable, but Lancaster is as well. But Just a space eater out there. He's a space eater, but you can, you know, it's a little more acceptable with him because he is, you know, an undrafted guy that no one really talks too much about. For sure. At inside linebacker, Chris Barnes has been the guy at inside linebacker, it sounds like, which is nice. Sometimes you get these undrafted guys who, you know, have one great year and then kind of fall off. Uh, Jarrett Boykin is kind of an example, you know, for, <laughs> for real. Fr- friend of the program. But, you know, he kind of fell off after that. There's been other players as well. You can look at Ladarius Gunter, you know. Ugh. But Barnes seems to be the guy who's sticking around. He's still got the mic in his helmet. The other guy at inside linebacker, Devondre Campbell, who there's been some, you know, some people have talked about him, but I think he's flying under the radar. It does sound like him and Barnes are going to be the lead two guys there. Uh, Tom Silverstein for the Green Bay Press-Gazette, he talked to a scout, and the scout said that he thinks it's a very underrated signing and that he will be the starter week one, that he he's a three-down back and he's well-rounded. He's a very good pass coverage linebacker as well which is something we seem to miss. We sure struggle at drafting that. Yeah. Well, and plus we, I mean, we've drafted A.J. Hawk in the first round, and we took Oren Burks in the second round, and that's about the only two real, you know, high draft picks we've had over the last two decades, aside from Nick Barnett as well. A.J. Hawk's the only one that's truly panned out. Yeah, and he, 
and I mean, he he's the all-time leading tackler for the Packers, but God, he was such a overrated. Oh yes, he was just a tackle machine. He was on part. the field all the time. You're gonna get plays. Yeah, it, yeah. And look at looking at the inside linebacker position. Besides those two, Oren Burks and Ty Summers, they're still chugging along, not making much of a name, but they're. We'll see. It looks like or I would think Oren Burks has kind of got the edge just because he's a better special teams player as well. I believe he was a special teams captain last year. But I don't know. What do you think of those guys at the inside linebacker position? I mean, Chris Barnes, and then we knew he was going to be like a beast. I mean, as far like as far as like you know the per snap basis thing, um, if he just gets on the field more and can bulk up a little bit and yeah. stay healthy, he is a tackling machine, an yeah. absolute tackling machine. Um, Devon- he did. He did. I'll, I'll cut in with this. Bill Huber broke this down uh, for Sports Illustrated. Per snap last year, uh, Barnes had more tackles per snap than the player for the Rams, I believe, who led the league in tackles. That's just so, a wild stat. So Barnes is a tackling machine. If he's getting the majority of the snaps, hopefully he's he's you know the lockdown guy in the middle of the field who can run up and make the tackles, unlike Blake Martinez or A.J. Hawk, who would allow the running back to run to him. He has actual speed, closing speed. Yes. Um, the Devondre Campbell thing, like, if he pans out, that is a – crazy under the underrated signing um like the way they're speaking about him if he's really that and like that's honestly all i think our defense is truly missing is that yeah. those two killers in the middle i mean we saw what the bucks were with those two linebackers just yeah. basically carried him on that playoff run I like know. tom brady was good but he wasn't we outplayed them in the nfc championship game but those two linebackers were wrecking havoc on a run game if we can have anything somewhat resembling that, I am sign me up. The thing that I don't like about this is Kamal Martin getting like moved outside linebacker. Yeah, I just like that's scary to me. Like they were talking, they were raving about him so much last camp. It's it's very strange because yeah, he was the talk of the defense last year in training camp, fifth round draft pick out of Minnesota. He he was kind of up and down during the season, but something that I've said on the podcast is he was always doing stuff. He would always shoot the gap and. You don't see that type of speed and explosion from the inside linebacker position, honestly, since Desmond Bishop, which I've said numerous times on this podcast. Over the last 20 years, I don't think we've had a better inside linebacker than Desmond Bishop. Right, plus the size Kamal Martin. He's big. He's a big middle linebacker. He's a big dude, and yeah, they've moved him to outside linebacker, which is strange. It it isn't very good to see that. That's never a good sign. But at the same time, Oren Burks got moved to outside linebacker for a bit last year, too, and he's back inside, so... True, we'll see. It true. all depends on what Joe Barry thinks of him. It might mean Devondre Campbell is that good. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. You know, if if him and Barnes are showing up on Sundays, then I don't think we're going to complain much about Martin. No way. Moving on to corner, J.R. Alexander is that dude. Uh, we can't really say too much more about him. He's the lockdown guy. This is the, the year. Island is here. Yeah, Jair Island. He's great in the pressers too. He's his own kind of personality. Um, Lockdown guy. He didn't make the Pro Bowl last year, which was kind of a sham. We'll see if he can get an All-Pro or people like Mark Tauscher is pushing for him to be a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. I'm really excited. What do you think of Jair? The last barrier for this man to fully just ingrain himself as the best corner in the league is to have five to eight picks minimum. Yeah. Like anywhere in yeah. there, yeah. but like he has to have minimum five. Um, his closing... Just closing on the ball is his last frontier of yep. being the lockdown corner in the league. Right. And he, I mean, he showed us quite a bit of things last year, too. Just week one where he had that uh, safety against the Vikings. That's something else that's popped up in Joe Barry's defense is the star position, which is kind of this safety hybrid role, the guy in the slot. And Jair's gotten some snaps in that slot position, which 
on the surface, maybe you're a little, little hesitant seeing that, but if you remember, Charles Woodson was kind of at his most dynamic state when he was playing in the slot because you know some player, some teams, their most explosive player is the slot wide receiver, but at the same time, you're so much closer to the quarterback, you're so much closer to the play, you can you know be cause a lot more havoc from that position. So if we're putting Jair there and he turns into this little Charles Woodson type player. That is very, very exciting to at least imagine. <laughs> when you put that kind of athlete in the slot, like we saw, we've seen Charles Woodson in the slot like that. I mean, this dude might even be more dynamic, like as far as just quick twitch speed. Right. Um, talking about crazy stuff you could do on defense, especially if like we're going to the next thing. But Stokes, if he, uh, yep. he literally is locked. If he can become anywhere near like Jair Light, like we're hoping on the speed right. and the, just the technique gets down. Like, you put Jair in the slot with him, you can do some wild stuff on defense. Yeah, and that's <laughs> we'll, – we'll talk about Stokes now. He's kind of been thrown into the fire. Uh, Jair's obviously, you know, the number one corner, but Stokes has matched up against Devontae quite a bit, and he's been up and down, kind of Jordan Love-esque almost, where he has some good plays and then some bad plays. But at the same time, he's going up against Devontae. Like you said with Jair, it's like if we can have someone solid opposite him – it's almost like Jair is so good where they have to pick on the guy opposite him. So you have you know, to, like you that, have to. That was the problem with Kevin King at times last year as well. So hopefully Stokes can could put it together. Corner is kind of a tough transition for a college player moving to the NFL. It is, so it's tough. We'll see. He he didn't have the best ball skills coming out of college either way. So we'll see this preseason. Um, talked about him a little bit there, Kevin King. He's hurt. He hasn't practiced. What else is new? I still think he'll be a solid contributor as long as he can stay healthy. Hopefully this is mostly precautionary, but there isn't too much to say about him there. Uh, Shannon Sullivan, still steady. The guy in the slot, uh, aside from Jair with a little bit he's been there. Uh, not too much to say about him. Shamir Jean Charles, the rookie uh, late-round draft pick out of Appalachian State. He's had some snaps too. But the other guy that people have been talking about quite a bit as well is Kibion Ento. He was someone who came on strong last training camp, you know, when it was really tough for undrafted players to, you know, make a name for themselves without any preseason games. But he's shown up quite a bit. They're saying just about every practice he makes some type of play. So maybe he'll push guys like who we'll talk about now, Josh Jackson, who apparently has also been solid. We've talked a lot about, you know, under Mike Petton. Maybe we should move Josh Jackson to safety. He kind of had a falling out with Petten, it seemed like, where he wasn't even suiting up a lot of the time. But he's been just fine on the outside, it seems like, so far in training camp. So, once again, maybe this is a deeper position that we have. But what do you think about the rest of the corners, Blake? Obviously, you know, I take everything with training camp with a grain of salt. But if Josh Jackson really is, like, turning a corner in a different defense and a philosophy, like, you have four corners that could be, like, legit, like, you know, NFL starting caliber corners. That's crazy in the NFL. Um, yep. The one guy I really like in here, like he won't play it all this year. I just, barring crazy injuries, is the Shamar Jean Charles. I think he's crazy athletic and like yeah. under the radar draft pick. Um, whether he makes the initial roster, I don't know. Right. Um, but the talent is crazy. He's like, when I was watching his upside, like, you know, the videos, I'm just like, wow. Yeah, because he, he's uh, he's kind of the opposite of Stokes almost, where Stokes wasn't much of a ball hawk. He only had the four picks, I believe, in his college career, or at least his senior year right, or his last year uh, in college. But Charles led the 
all of college football in pass breakups last year. So he's, you know, he was a later round pick, but he's he's got some ball skills. So we'll maybe this will be a big training camp for him or a preseason for him, and we'll we'll see if he can push someone like Kadar Holman, who he's been up and down as well at the later round draft pick last year. Moving on to safety, uh, the top two guys, Adrian Amos and uh, Savage, obviously Darnell Savage. This is a big year for Savage to see if he can become that type of Pro Bowl player. Adrian Amos has been awesome in training camp as well. He had a really good practice last week where I believe he had like three pass breakups and was all over the field. Not too much to say about those guys because they're pretty uh, steady. Moving on, Henry Black, who we talked about a little bit last year. He had a couple really big just physical tackles in his few snaps he had last year. And Aaron Nagler pointed out that they, they're trying him out in this deep safety spot where they're moving Amos up closer to the line and letting Henry stay back and kind of be that drifter, the sure tackler to cover. So that could be a lot of fun, too, if we can get Amos up there, that veteran who's you know kind of sneaky up at the line of scrimmage, good run stuffer as well. Maybe we'll see Henry Black, more of that. More of that. And another little um, excerpt here. During pre- uh, press conferences a couple days ago with the assistant coaches, it was kind of cool to see um, Reese Drayton, the special teams coordinator, talk about how he's been really happy with how all the other position coaches have pushed for special teams play. And then right after that, they interviewed Jerry Gray, the defensive back coach, who said, yeah, I've and with I don't think he listened to Murray Drayton's press conference, but he was like, yeah, in this league where if you're playing safety – if you're if you're safety in the league, you got to play a couple years on special teams, and after you show us you can do that, then maybe we'll let you play some on defense. And that appears to be what's happening with Henry Black. So hopefully we'll see him. What do you what do you think of that, Blake? Well, you know the two steadies there. I mean those. I mean if Savage takes another step, you know we can always say that about any guy, but like. It, and like he the- like he like he's a difference. Like a safety is like such a difference maker. Where like if he can reach Nick Collins level, like. Whoosh, that's that's the goal. Like, if he can be that kind of impact guy, like, and he our started last year elite, pretty elite. He was slow at the start of last year, where people were getting a little concerned. And then Jerry Gray told him, like, "Hey, don't like stop thinking so much." And since then, he's been, you know, a pretty pretty damn good safety, which makes makes it one of the better tandems in the league now. Right. The other thing you said, like the Henry uh, Henry Black being able to play over the top. Um, if Adrian Amos can play in the box a little bit, you can put him in that star role on certain like. On more of like a third and four, like down, you yeah. gotta keep like uh, Henry Black over the top and put Adrian Amos in the box and still like not lose no speed but keep the power there. Yeah, like that's that's a great philosophy if it like works out like you're talking about it. That misdirection, you know, just trying to confuse the offense as much as possible. Which right. God, I don't know, I don't know if you saw this. So they interviewed Dennis Kelly, that uh, the right tackle that we signed from Tennessee. Kelly said in the presser, and I don't think he tried to be mean about it, but it kind of came off that way. <laughs> He said that late in the season, you know, that Packers-Titans game at Lambeau. Yeah, yeah. He said on offense they knew what the defense was doing just about every play. Like, he knew what Pettin was thinking. I did see that. What they were doing. And now it's like, yeah, we kind of had the thought that that's what was going on. But to hear it, it's like, Jesus, I'm I'm glad we moved on from Pettin. We'll see how Barry is, but I'm glad that he's on the back burner now. 100%. Uh, we could talk about Vernon Scott. He's up and down too. Whatever. Haven't heard too much about it. Christian up up off the uh, undrafted guy. He picked off Jordan Love, but apparently it was such a duck. Matt Schneidman said even he could have picked it off. 
that's rough. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> that's about it for uh, offense and defense. They're moving on to the special teams. Once again, not too much to talk about here. Mason Crosby, Steady Eddie, he'll be the kicker. We might keep on um, the reserve the reserve kicker who was also on the practice squad last year. But other than that, it's J.K. Scott versus Ryan Winslow. It sounds like J.K. Scott has kind of turned that corner. Maurice Drayton has spoken very highly of him. And Fortunato was cut, the backup long snapper, which really pretty sad about that guy because he – he hasn't snapped in the league in five years. He finally got another chance with the Packers, and he wasn't even able to stick around for the first uh, preseason game. That they, is rough. That's rough. They cut him, so it'll be Hunter Bradley's job to lose <laughs> against no one unless there's some <laughs> late cut uh, for another team. But And even uh, – God, I don't remember if we were recording at the beginning or not. I'm pretty excited for the special teams unit as a whole. We brief- briefly talked about um, Kylan Hill, who will be the kick – kick returner Amari Rogers sounds like he'll be the punt returner but aside from that too there does seem to be this new focus on special teams where all the coaches are mentioning it at least briefly and Maurice Drayton is just such a dude in the pressers like he knows what he's talking about with every facet of special teams where reporters are asking him questions and he's almost asking he's asking them questions about their questions so he can answer it better and give them a full a full scope of what he's thinking for all these little things. So I'm excited. He, it's it's a weird kind of role because he was an assistant special teams coach last year, and they just kind of bumped him up. But I, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited for this special teams just because they're acknowledging there's a third part of the football game. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I mean, I feel like we haven't acknowledged that we need to play anything since Brandon Bostic onside kick territory. <sighs> Blake, I know you haven't really listened to the podcast, but that is a name we try not to say. I that's know we, fair. That's I know fair. we've bleeped, we've bleeped it at times even, but that's I know. He, he is just a guy, you know, not, nothing against Brandon, but God, it, it brings up those bad memories. It's but rough. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Special teams is kind of the focus in the preseason too. So the guys who you see on the special teams units in the preseason are usually the guys who have the edge and will make the 53 at the end of, uh, at the end of the summer. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for training camp so far. I understand this might not be as exciting as other episodes when we have actual football to talk about <laughs> and maybe some other goofy things to talk about. But I figured, you know, it's been a couple weeks. Might as well talk about training camp. And there's just been – I've had too much to think about with the Packers. I listen to every other Packers podcast that a beat reporter has on. I listen to Head of the Pack. I listen to the Packers News one. I listen to Jason Wildey. Most days on his podcast as well. So although I'm just a fan, I like to think I can regurgitate the best stuff that the beat reporters do talk about. And we can kind of rift off that. And I, I don't know, maybe this was entertaining enough. I do know a lot of the people like getting regurgitated stats. I see it on Twitter all the time. So why not give it them like vocally? They're, yeah. The, Twitter, Packers Twitter has turned into such a cesspool uh. over the last couple of years too. It's like. Everyone's trying to make an aim for the one guy, and we follow him, and he's fine. It's like, guys like J.J. Leahy, it's like, we really are just regurgitating stuff and posting it out there, and so many takes. I don't know. I try to keep it steady, and we'll wait until actual football comes out, but actual football, Blake, will be played on Saturday. The Packers are playing the Houston Texans at 7 o'clock at Lambeau Field. Kind of an awkward first game, too, for Randall Cobb. going. I I can't wait to see him show his freedom to them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. How he, <laughs> how he said, uh, yeah, Houston was like 
leaving Houston was like leaving prison, which I'm sure they weren't too happy to hear. 100%. But what <laughs> what what are you looking forward to most with this preseason game, Blake? Um, my biggest thing is let's just see what Jordan Love is. You yeah. know, everyone's like, who is this guy? Like, he's a man of mystery, and we're finally going to see some tangible thing on the field that we could talk about at some point. Um, yeah. You know. It's, uh, that's my biggest thing on offense. Defense, I just want to see what Barry's going to do as scheme-wise. Yeah. We got the same players. I know what we right. got talent-wise. What's the scheme going to be different to put these guys in situations? It kind of sucks, too, because everything's usually pretty vanilla in the preseason. But, yeah, to see these, like we've talked about a little bit there, too, like the star role and all that, if we if we can mess around with that and mess with the third-string offense for the Texans, which should be pretty damn terrible. Oh, it'll be entertaining, just period, because, you know. Preseason football is always entertaining. There's some wild stuff yeah, going ev- on. Everyone stuff. always says how entertaining preseason football is. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Like, but yeah, it, with in, for me with Jordan Love, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning there too. It's like there's been so much talk about a guy who we haven't seen anything of since college and a couple throws from family night. I'm in the boat where I do not want any of the in-between shit. I want him to either come out and be really good or come out and be absolute dog shit. And that's nothing against Jordan Love, but it's like if he's if he's just an average or below average guy and we have to slowly learn that through a few years, like I don't I don't want him to be a Derek Carr. I don't want him to be this just average whatever player. If he's bad, I want to know right away so that we can Goody can can try to be a little nicer to the quarterback, maybe uh it's one thing where Rogers has talked about too. Like, we'll see how the relationship goes this season. Like, if it's October, or November, and we make a trade for like Jake Kumaro or something, you know, Jordan Love is not looking good in practice. He is and not Goody's ready to, to go. Hedge, hedge for uh, 2022. For so, sure. We'll see. Should be exciting. The new defense with Barry, new quarterback in Jordan Love. Finally, some actual football. But with that, Blake, I don't have uh, too much else. Do you have anything else to talk about with the Green Bay Packers looking forward here? Nothing. Just go Pack Go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? Yeah, uh, we have – God, I, I haven't even thought of – what's uh, what, what's a musical artist you like, Blake? Well, I am a huge Eminem fan. Oh, God, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, Blake, just for you because, you know, our little fill-in guest for this episode <laughs> – is how we end every episode. Um, Eminem, please don't sue us.